0: Welcome to the Two Boomer Women podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. I've been talking to Boomer Women for some time now. (laughs) If I think about it, I suppose I've been talking to Boomer Women most of my adult life. That continues with this podcast. However, there's something else going on at Two Boomer Women these days. Manly Monday. On the last Monday of each month, I'll present an episode wherein my guest is a man. A man with a message, we might say. Today is Manly Monday. Sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Two Boomer Women Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. It's the last Monday of the month again, so it's Manly Monday, our new feature where my guest is a man with a topic of interest to boomers. Today's guest has been a computer geek, and that's a term of affection, since 1973. I've known Bob for several years, online only, interestingly enough. I love his irreverence as much as I appreciate his knowledge and how he shares it so often. Bob Levin, welcome to Manly Monday on the Two Boomer Women podcast.
1: Well, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so
0: much for inviting me. Okay, before we get started how did you get started with computers when they weren't even close to being a home appliance? Well,
1: I got into this industry, you know, computers and so forth, because I couldn't do two things, two other things. I wanted to be in theater now, technical theater behind the scenes, you know, so forth, but you couldn't do that because you had to be in the union to get into the union. You had to wait for somebody to die. So, I couldn't get a job in that or television. And my other option was working in a factory, building cars, because I was born and raised in Detroit, uh, and I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to do into something else, and computers looked very interesting. So I went and got some schooling on that and got hired by a company, controlled out a corporation, and uh, back in Minneapolis, and got sent to Minneapolis for training, and was working on the big mainframes, the great big huge systems they had, and then I got transferred over into what they call the peripheral division, which was disk drives, tape drives, printers, card punches, card punches? What's a card punch, right? Card readers, all that kind of stuff, and started working on that kind of thing, and that just led into me working in different locations throughout the United States, uh, getting different jobs, different training, changing companies a number of times. And that got me into uh, a number of companies that were doing things that we would consider the Internet now, where they were communicating the computers together via a, a cable all right, and putting that together. And I started working for those companies. And then one day they, they said, oh, by the way, Bob. You know, I was walking down the hall. They said, "See that thing in there?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "You have to support that now." I went like, "Okay, what is it? What is it?" He says, "It's something new called a personal computer, and uh, from IBM." And he says, "That's yours." I went, "Okay." I said, "We got anybody to tell me anything about?" it? He says, "Nope, go figure it out." So that got me into the computer, you know, personal computer stuff. And then that ran from there into all kinds of other different things and different companies and so forth. And I've just been playing with uh, computers, personal computers, because we don't really have mainframes. But interesting that we're beginning to turn back to the 1960s because we're going from PCs – We went from these huge mainframes in gigantic computer rooms. All the equipment was the size of, of freezers, you know, refrigerators. And then we went down to networking. We got down to PCs and to phones and so forth. And where are we going now? We're going to the cloud. And what is the cloud? Big mainframe computer systems right that are sitting in warehouses and running so we're all going there and everybody's looking now for running software in the cloud and we're right kind of back to what we were before except us as individual people we just don't touch that anymore so and we don't have to go down with a box of uh, punch cards and hand them to somebody to run the program anymore so anyway That's how I got into this here. And I've just been working on software, hardware, uh, PCs. I just don't do uh, many of the or too much on Apple equipment, even though they were the company down the street, right? Because I'm in California now, been here a long time. And that little startup company down the street just didn't work very well for networking at that time. And I decided I wouldn't go to work for them. That eh, might have been a mistake, you know, if I'd gotten Apple stock at that time. So who knows?
0: <laughs> Hindsight. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah,
1: exactly. So
0: you're one of the early adopters. Now, I will just say that I remember those punch cards in the early 70s going to university and working with them but not having a clue what I was doing. So thank goodness I was part of a class that just used them for whatever data we were collecting or whatever. I can't even remember now. But, and also interesting analogy about, I mean, I live on my computers and I do back up stuff to the cloud and I use the cloud. And for some reason, it never occurred to me that it would actually have to be a computer sitting in a warehouse somewhere. I always imagined it's up in the cloud, up in the ether.
1: Up in the ether, you know, yeah. Amazon, AWS, uh, Google, uh, Apple, iCloud. Those are all basically huge storage computers sitting up in the cloud, running the Little programs that we want to have done. So it's kind of reverting back around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's start with our own computers. In this day and age, when terms like spam and scam and hackers and phishing and trojans and malware are all pretty common lingo, what what can we do to keep our home computers safe?
1: Okay, so everybody wants to have everything they want to do on a computer and they just expect it to be safe right unfortunately it's not so there are a lot of things that we as individuals have to do you can't just rely upon or assume that it's going to be safe because nobody would ever want to go after you know you as a target and heaven forbid if they ever do want to go after you as a target because then you are really in trouble because there's not much you could really do about that but most of us are not targets for a nation state to go after us or some other organization, because we're just a whole bunch of people out there. So to keep your computers safe, you have to do some things yourself. You have to be responsible for the security of your computer, your applications, your things that you do. Unfortunately, You can't just give that to somebody else. You've got to be responsible for it. Now, is that really difficult? In some aspects, it could be. But in most cases, you can take care of your stuff by just following some very simple processes and common sense, which a lot of us don't have, me included, I'm raising my hand, is by doing things like, Having a good password, right? You know, and we can talk a little bit more about the different types of passwords that you have, you have, you know, so forth. So having a good password, not clicking on links, not falling for, click this link and you can take $1 into a million dollars in a week. Well, that's kind of like not going to happen. So doing those sort of things. So having a good password is really important. You can't use monkey 123. You can't use, you know, the password as the password. Just forget about thinking of that. You've got to have a good password. And you need a good password to log into your computer. Now, in most cases Windows computers, you have a login and that has some type of a password on it. Some connection either directly to Microsoft or on the local machine. And I'm kind of referring to all things like Windows 10. Now, if you have anything before Windows 10, eh, security can be a little bit more of an issue because they're no longer supported. If you're running XP, unplug from the internet and just use it locally. Don't, there, that's really old. Windows 8, that was bad. So you should upgrade to 10, which you can still do for free. Windows 7, is no longer supported so it still works and if you are a real geek you could probably still be using it but uh you really need to get up on windows 10 so good passwords to log in good passwords for your accounts that you go to that you may be accessing online your banking your stockbroker account uh, any place that you go online you should have a good password now, it shouldn't be the same password. You should never reuse passwords. Oh, everybody go, oh, but I can't remember. It's, I got passwords that are tough. Right. You can't use the same password over and over because if they hack into one account and get that password and you used it 12 other places, uh-huh, now you have a possible breach that can be done against your accounts. Also, you're betting... And this is, you know, that the company that you're dealing with, if you're dealing with these companies and you create an account with them and you have put a username and a password there, and that password has been used in multiple places, what you have to be concerned with, we can't, we can worry about it, but it's not going to do any good, is if they get breached. Okay, so ever been on a cruise? Two, 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 on the boat, we got all the food, we got all the drinks for free, we can go see water, carnival cruise, princess lines. Oh, my gosh, guess what happened back in, I think it was March of this year. They got breached. They got attacked somehow internally from someplace, and they got their database downloaded. So if you had ever taken a cruise Put your email in there. Create an account with a password. That password will use for your bank account. Bad guys now have that. That's why you don't reuse passwords. Now, you can't do anything about the Carnival Cruise or any of the other breaches that have taken place because you don't have any control over that. What you do have control over is your password. So never reuse a password. Now, making a password Strong is fairly easy to do, and this is where I kind of recommend that you have some type of a password manager, right? Now, there are a lot of them out there. I recommend two. I recommend one called LastPass. That is not free, but it is not expensive either it's it's around 20 you can use their free version but you only get like one machine type thing if you go to the more advanced one it's $24 a year it might be a little bit more than that now their prices have been going up the other one so that's lastpass that's lastpass.com you can use them and that will manage all of your passwords for you all your accounts anything that you log into you can store it all securely and it's all encrypted so that nobody else can see it. So that way you can have a separate login with a separate password being very long, minimum of 14 to 16 characters, letters, numbers, uppercase, lowercase, special characters, and shouldn't be a word that can be found in any dictionary because the bad guys can brute force it by doing a dictionary attack. They have, they've downloaded all the dictionaries. And what they do is they try to attack you and they just check your password against all the words in the dictionary. Uh, that one, again, it gets difficult. That's why we suggest a password manager for storing that information. I use LastPass. I am looking at and starting to use something called Bitwarden, dot com. And they offer a free version as well as a paid version. And their paid version for individuals is like $10 a year, something like that. It's really inexpensive. And it does all the same things LastPass does. Now, both of those are really good because their code has been checked. So there's no back doors. Some of these companies that you can use, they have access to your information. So if there is a nefarious, use that fancy word, I should get a ding for that. Nefarious, um, I can't spell it, but I can say it. Employee, and they can go look at your account. They can get into your information. They can unencrypt it. They can see all that information. So you've got to watch which companies use Bitwarden, everything is, is stored on your computer, all right? So it's not up, up in the cloud. It's not the company can't go in and take a look at your stuff. Now, the biggest problem that you got to make sure that you have is that you've recorded your master password with these things. Write that down. Put it someplace, right? Uh, And if you're a public computer, don't put it on a Post-it note on on the back of your monitor or something. But store that information so they can keep and maintain all of the passwords for you. So when you want to go to your Schwab account or your Bank of America or your Wells Fargo or your whatever bank in Canada, uh, which I can't remember the uh, name of any of those banks, but you want to go there. When you go there with the browser, boom, it says, oh, you're going there. I will put your username and password, which we have stored in there, and you, can't, you don't see it, so you don't have to remember what it is. Boom, and you get logged right in. I do that for all of my accounts. Everything I store is stored in one of these password managers. So passwords, important. Don't reuse them and don't make them, you know, words in the dictionary. Don't use monkey123, which is the number one password that's used by people for some reason, and the word password, uh, because they check all those. Those are all kind of public knowledge. So that's passwords, and I understand. It's it's like, oh, my God, what do I got to do all this work and everything? But just, you know, and change your passwords periodically. That's a good thing to do. You don't have to change them every week. You don't have to change them every month. But maybe two times a year, every six months, change your passwords uh, for that. Also, if you are using a laptop and you're traveling with it, yeah, you should have to change the password periodically on that kind of stuff. So especially in anything important that's that's money related. So... That's kind of passwords. It could go on for another, you know, four or five hours talking about passwords, and I would put everybody to sleep, and they'd all be groaning.
0: (laughs) If I can interject for two seconds. Sure can. First of all, is I find that just on, on LastPass, as you know, I use LastPass, as I get more and more paranoid, I guess, about what's out there in the ether that we talked about, is I find I'm using longer and longer, more complex passwords. But LastPass has a password generator. So I just wanted to add that in. Correct. And now I'm not going to remember what the other thing was. So we can keep on going. (laughs) Okay.
1: All right. Now you kind of brought up spam, which is a – Spam is just – any definition of spam would be any email that you receive that you don't want. I mean, that could be Agnes sending me an email and I don't, I could care less. That would be considered spam. Also, all those ads. I mean, I got checking my email today. I probably got 10 or 12 things about, you know, uh, you know, this program, that program. Oh, sign up for that. You can make a million dollars, blah, blah, blah. That's spam. You can't do a whole lot about protecting that. Now, there are, depending upon which email client you're using, if you're using Gmail, they do some filtering there. Try to get it out of your, your main box. If you're using, like, Outlook for your mail from your website or whatever, you know, they you, there's some filtering there. But you can't stop spam and trying to complain to it and calling the authorities and saying, you know, I'm getting this message from that Nigerian prince, which did you did you hear that he did pass away and when they went into his house, they found all these gold bars that he'd been trying to give away for, you know, years, and nobody took him up on him. <laughs> Joke. Okay. <laughs> all right. So spam is just something that's, that's there. You just got to live with it. You can't get cranky. You can't get mad. Just delete it. Now, what you have to remember with email is that there are – There can be attachments and there can be links. So to protect yourself, number one, don't click on those links. Just don't click on those links because that's how your computer can get infected with malware when you click on those links. When attachments come in, you've got to really be careful that that attachment is actually something from somebody you know and you were really looking for it. If you're not, then you click on it. It could be a bogus program that can put malware onto your computer. Now that malware, and we'll, we'll seggate into that in a couple of minutes cause I want to talk a little bit more about that. That malware could be something like ransomware, right? And we've all heard that. And we'll talk just a little bit about what ransomware really is. And, don't click on those links. If you get something from somebody, gee, I just got an email from Agnes. She was, she says, check out this new PDF that I just created about the event that's going to be coming up. Okay. And I click on it. But Agnes didn't send it to me. Somebody spoofed her email address, which is something that can be easily done. A quick sidelight story. Back in the day, um, this was a number of years ago, my parents were coming up on their 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, I went and sent them and, and had the President of the United States, which I can't remember who that was at that time, one of them anyway, but I had an email sent to them wishing them a happy anniversary, right, from the President of the United States. They got all excited they got this thing from the President of the United States. I never did tell them that it was me who sent it. Because I went in and spoofed it and changed all the stuff, so what you what they were seeing was from the president of the United States, blah blah blah. Eh, it sent it from mine. They're, they weren't very sophisticated in the computer stuff. They didn't know. They thought it was great. They printed it out and you know and saved it and thought it was really nice. Now I could have actually done it legitimately by actually writing to the White House and they they would send out a, a notice, blah blah blah. So spoofing is something that does happen. You can't do anything about it. So when you get email, just be aware of who you're getting it from. If you have any question, call them on the phone. Send them a text. You know, I'll contact Ag- Agnes. did you send me an email with a PDF attached that had blah, blah, blah? You know about it? And she goes, uh, no. I go like, okay, fine. Delete and go on. All right? You can't say, let's go chase them down. I have a number of clients over times that have said, well, we'll just report it to the police and we'll have them go arrest them. Well, that doesn't happen, especially if they're in East Timbuktu, uh, Afghanistan, someplace, you know, they're outside the jurisdiction of any law uh, enforcement company that we could deal with. So you've got to be careful about that. So just don't click on links. Be very careful of clicking on links and attachments. Now, if I called up Agnes, And said, did you send me this thing? And she said, oh, yeah, I did. It was the new one that I just created this morning. Well, now I'm talking to Agnes. And Agnes says, yes, I did send it to you. So I'm going to make the assumption that Agnes's computers are are clean as well. And, okay, I'll open it up and take a look at it then. But you've got to be just careful of that kind of stuff. So it's always just beware and buyer beware. You know, there is no free lunch.
0: Now, I heard at one point in time, too, that um, there are programs that you can put on your computer so you know if someone's, A, received a, an email and B, opened it. And like, I'll just talk through my hat here. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. One of the reasons I don't even open emails is because then they know they've got like a live person as opposed to a dead email account and they can overload you with junk. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. You can do things with email the same as you can with a website. So if you go to a website, there is tracking that takes place within that website. So there's things called little pixels and little uh, tracking pixels that can be put in there that when you go to a website, it gathers information about the person that, that came there. Now, not necessarily you by name. Email's the same way that you can put things into emails so that you can see when it's delivered to the mailbox. And you can see when they click and open it. And that is, once you click and open it, that's just assumed you've read it. Doesn't mean that you actually did. But that's all things that you have no control over. You can't block that kind of information. Email, back when it was designed in the good old days, back in the 80s and (laughs) 90s, and it was was designed, it was never envisioned that it would be like it is today. So it was an open protocol, and I need to throw this in because I kind of forgot about it before, but never send anything in an email that you would not put on a sign in your front yard. So don't put your social security number or your government number, whatever they call them in Canada, I don't know. I should because I lived in Detroit right across the you know the river from, from Canada. And don't put your social security number, don't put your bank account numbers, don't put passwords, don't send passwords, don't put anything that you would not paint on a sign and stick in your front yard for everybody in the world to see. That's the, the, the thing because it's not secure. It's never sent secure. Now, there are ways to do that, but they're complicated, and I don't even bother it. You can can use encryption and blah, blah, blah. But it's it's very complicated, and both people have to have the same type of encryption and blah, blah, blah. So with that type of thing, with email, you can be tracked that it's going to be opened. So there's not much that you can really do about it. Marketeers are using it. Now, the world is changing a little bit. They're getting more protection. Apple, you know, has got this do not, um, they've got the new privacy kick, right, for, for basically surfing the web and that kind of stuff. Their email is as secure as it can be, still not as secure as we might all want it to be, but there's nothing we can do about it. Gmail and all those other things, they try to filter a lot of that stuff out but still it's it's going to be something if you get an email i can see that it, if i have turned those bits on with my sending which is confirmation of delivery and that kind of stuff there's nothing you can really do about that and the same thing if you open it so yeah and they go ahead
0: no i was just going to say in terms of you know say say i have to get a password to you would it work to send you the first half in one email, open another email and send you the second half without saying what it was? So you know that I need to send this to you and.
1: That that isn't a strategy that can be done. There's no real secure way for me to give you the password other than me being standing next to you, which today might not happen. Uh, and wearing my mask, um, and verbally giving you the password or writing it on a piece of paper, handing it to you, and then having you eat that piece of paper or burn it so that it, you know, you have to memorize it like in the spy movies, that kind of stuff. To send a do a password, I have done that with uh, your your firm. You probably remember my buddy, uh, Kurt, uh, was on my webinar at one time, we have to occasionally exchange passwords. So fortunately we have some passwords that we use regularly just between us. All right. But we have done that where he has sent me a 16 character password and we've done it with three emails and one text. All right. And then putting it together. So it's best if you've got to send a password for something that's, you know, important, like, let's say, I want to let you have access to my bank account, Oh yeah. right? Be, you know, yeah, yeah, you'll get, you'll okay. get rich off of that transferring all those, the, the, the $22 in there, all right? Where I could send you, you know, two emails with, you know, the first part, the last part, and then maybe then I could text you the rest with just the password with no explanation of what's in it or not. But you and I would have talked, before so we knew what was was coming with that. So that's that's kind of a good way to do it. Also, there's a there's another you could send the password via email, making it a, a good long you know password, and you would use it and then I would change it again as soon as you finished what you were doing with my account. So I could change that password. So even if it got out, it's no longer valid. Using, again, it comes back to a little bit of common sense. How would you keep that secret if you're at the supermarket and you're on your phone talking as loud as possible because of the fact the person at the other end probably can't hear you because you think that you need to talk louder and you're spouting off about, you know, your bank account and how much money you've got in it. And, oh, by the way, you needed that 20 bucks. So here's the username and password for my bank account. I mean, I think that most people would say, hey, I don't think I should be rattling off my password in the middle of the of the grocery store supermarket so everybody can hear. So some common sense on that does come into play, which that could be a problem just because it's common sense. So. Keeping that information, you want to keep that information as close to the vest. You know, if you're playing cards, you want to keep your cards close to your, you know, close to the vest so that everybody else can't see them. So you've got that. Anything else on that? Well,
0: just know, before we move on from email, the other thing that um, every once in a while I do get an email that conceivably could be correct so i always check the the sending address to make sure it's not you know something weird uh it looks like it could be legit the message looks like it could be legit i still don't click on any links in the email i open a new tab go to the account that i have there via a new tab so i'm still not clicking the link in the email would you recommend that as well as sort of Abs-
1: absolutely it's uh if you get a, a, an email from your financial institution or something that's important, don't click on that link because that link could, that you see displayed on your screen may not actually be the link that you're going to go to. That's how spammers and folks try to get you to click these links and go and then give your information. So, You've got a link in there for, uh, you know, Bank of America. That's BOA.com, right? I mean, I know that URL. I don't bank with Bank of America, but I know their URL, wellsfargo.com. I don't click the link inside of the email. I open up a browser and go there. Same thing for the IRS. The IRS will never call you on the phone, ever. In the United States, the IRS does not call anybody ever. So if you get these phone calls and they say, go to this link, you know, no, 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 you know, just basically hang up. But the same thing in an email is they craft the email to make it look like it's coming from that institution. They also set up a website that looks exactly like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, San Jose Credit Union, different things like that. And then they put that link in there, you click on it, you go there, and you think that it's that institution, you put in your username and your password because you're not looking at the link that's up in the in the browser display line up there. And now you've given them your username and your password. So always go directly to anything that's important to you. Don't just click those links because it's convenient.
0: Yeah. I know that Wakanda well, Revenue up here, same as the IRS. All they do is they'll send you a message saying, basically, you've got mail, Uh, no links, nothing. So then you do have to go to another browser, log into your account and see what they're saying to you or, you know, your assessment or whatever.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. That sounds, that sounds valid. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have their own internal mailing system. Yeah. So you've just got to be careful out there on what you're clicking on. And clicking on in stuff in emails, is just not really a great idea. Now, there are, I mean, some of these places, they do password resets. You know, so if you forgot your password for this, you clicked a link, they send you an email with a link in it. Well, as long as you know that you're on the real website for the bank or whatever, and you have clicked a forgot password, which is one of the reasons why a password manager is really good because it keeps that information you don't have to remember it and it it always does. You know, you just got to be careful about that. I I mean again it's one of those subjects that we could talk about uh, what ifs for quite a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So just before we move on from computers because I do have some other questions to ask you. At one point in time I think I was asking you about just computer security. Um and you said Windows, Windows Defender is one of the better ones you can do is that still pertinent or
1: yep that's still just fine having a quote and i'm doing yeah, the air, air quotes, quotes. Yeah. Air, air air quotes having some type of antivirus software or security software on your computer is important to have you shouldn't be running without it with windows 10 it comes with defender that's the name of the program which if you are running windows 7 I will give Agnes the, the link for this, but I do have a, a little training program and a thing of how to upgrade Windows 7 to Windows 10 for free. You can still do it for free. doesn't cost. You don't have to pay any money at all. I'll give you that link when we get okay. done with this here so you can put it in your, 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 your notes. But Defender will work on Windows 7. But Defender is fine. It's an antivirus program, security program. Now, the thing is, you can't just say, oh, I've got it on there. I don't have to worry about anything, right? I can just go anywhere I want and do whatever I want. It's not going to prevent malware or viruses or things like that getting into your computer unless they already know about it. So it kind of blocks stuff it already knows about. There is a thing called zero days. Zero-day viruses or software are programs that have found a way to break into or get through, let's say, the operating system or browser or whatever, where there is no fix for it. There's no fix for it yet. They just found it out yesterday, so they have to spend a couple of days writing something to correct that particular problem add it to the antivirus software, fix the code, get the patch out to you. Well, during that period of time, it's called zero day. If the bad guys know about it, they can in turn start trying to exploit it. So they, they, they go out and look for those computers that might have that vulnerability and then they can sneak in and do whatever they need to do. Uh, So that's, that's one of the issues. So, Just having an antivirus program, and there are many of them out there, Defender being one of them, which is free with Windows 10, and they do a very good job. You've got Kaspersky. You've got uh, Malwarebytes. You've got Intel's McAfee. I don't like McAfee, never have, and a number of others. So having more than one antivirus program on your computer does not make it twice as safe. As a matter of fact, you can run into more problems by the more antivirus programs you put on there. So it's best if you're going to have one, just have one defender is fine for majority. I would say 99% protection. You're probably okay. Right. But on some, a lot of it depends upon what you do as a person using your computer. If you're constantly going on to the dark web, if you figure out how to get into that and you're, you're mucking around, eh, you're probably not as safe. You know, if you're if you're looking at this, you're looking at that, it's going to protect you as best it can, but it's not going to be an overall protection.
0: Right.
1: So Defender, Defender works. It's there. It's free. You don't need other ones. If you're paying for it, you know, you're helping to support that particular company and keep them in business. That's all.
0: Okay, so that might be a good segue into patches and updates. Um, And maybe, first of all, you could explain what a patch is for our listeners.
1: All right. All computers, all programs are written with software of some type. There's different languages that they can be written in and so forth. But your computer just doesn't run because you want it to run. It has an underlying software in this case, we call an operating system, running on it. Windows 10, Windows 7, iOS, Android, all of those are softwares that are written, and there are millions and millions of lines of code that go in there. That means nothing to you or me when we look at it. When they write these things, a lot of times they make mistakes. They mistype a character or the assumptions that they made when they wrote that series of code, you know, maybe this particular function is a thousand lines of code, and they goofed up. They weren't thinking. They didn't know. They just made a mistake. And there is a way that somebody could come in and access that error, which would be like a zero day or something, and be able to get in there. So when they find those things, they write new code, and that's called a patch. And that gets downloaded to your device and then installed to alleviate that particular error in the code. So that's what a patch is. Now, all companies, 99% of the companies do patches and Updates. Updates are, may include patches as well as new features, or they've decided to change the background of whatever you're looking at from, you know, blue to aqua. Okay, whatever. That would be like an update or something to it, or they've added a new feature. So patches and updates come out, and in most cases, they come out on a regular basis. So did that answer your question of what a patch is? Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah, thank
1: you. Okay. So now we want to make sure that we are actually doing patches and updates. Doesn't matter if it's a phone. Doesn't matter if it's a computer, uh, a laptop, a desktop, Apple, whatever. You want to do your patches. Now, Microsoft does patches on on a schedule the second Tuesday of every month is when they come out with their, their patches. It's called Patch Tuesday, second Tuesday of every month. And that comes out. And with Windows 10, in most cases, it will kind of do it automatically. It will download them, install them, maybe even reboot your machine for you. But patches and updates are something that you need to do. You can't say, oh, it's not that important No one cares about my computer. Nobody cares about trying to get into my stuff. Well, that's the wrong attitude because you can still be attacked or sent, you know, malware in an email that clicks and does something. All that can take place. And it doesn't matter that it's you because the person doing it on the other end is not a guy sitting in his basement in upstate you know, uh, Kansas someplace or Alberta, right. And is trying to get into your computer and only that one. No, it's all automated code that runs and it's just constantly scanning out there trying to make connections to stuff. So you want to make sure that you get the patches in there, like the patches from this second Tuesday, which was June something second Tuesday of the month. Uh, in June, that one had 56, I think, and that was one of the lower numbers 56 patches in it, uh, fixing something like 15 zero days. Now, a lot of them you, you wouldn't be concerned with. All you need to know is you need to do your updates from that and update your computer. Same thing with your phones, you know, go in and update your applications, your operating system, and so forth. Apple. A lot of times they do it a little bit automatically. And then, of course, they come out with new operating systems as times go on. And they are supposedly better than the last version, but usually there's a whole bunch of errors in those, and they have to patch those. So update your computers. If you run a Windows, I would check it manually at least, you know, middle of the month I would check it, and that would be, you know, I, I, I could go through the little procedure here, but it's basically um, you can click the start button, type in updates, and that would be one way to get to it. There's like five ways to get there. But make sure that you have your most current operating system updated with the patches from Microsoft. The same thing for your phones, Android, iOS. Only problem you can run into is like you have older systems. If you're running Windows 7, There's no new updates for it because they no longer support it. So you won't get any new patches or updates. Same thing with like my Android phone. It's five years old. Problem is I can't update the operating system anymore because the vendor is in in this case LG. It's not updating it. So uh, that can be also an issue, you know, for it. But I basically use it as a phone only. Uh, and, and basically getting text, so i mean i don 't run any other other than my Kindle program on it to read my stupid little uh, space adventure stories, <laughs> so I will you know that 's it so patches updates do them it 's so important that you do them. Uh, Microsoft and all these other companies want to be able to have you get those patches, but you 've got to take some responsibility to make it responsibility to make sure that you are a hearing to their schedule.
0: Right. And I must admit over the years, you know, uh you can be known to rant from time to time but it's always reasonable and uh, I have improved my habits and all that stuff so much in the last few years since I've known you. Now, unfortunately I am looking at the clock backups. Can you touch on backups as well?
1: Backup, backup, backup. That's the the thing. You need to back up the data on your computer does not mean you need to have a full backup of everything in your system, like a, you know, full disk image, even though you can do that. But if something happens, like you get hit by ransomware, they encrypt your hard drive. You can't get to your data. If you don't have a backup, you might have to try paying them. And that's had, I had a customer do that where they got hacked ransomware came in, encrypted the data. They got a request for, you know, $2,000 to get it. And problem was, I would have told him, I said, screw, it, don't pay him. Well, it turns out that he didn't back up his data. And he had, some, he had his QuickBooks data files for three companies. And it was encrypted, he couldn't get to it, and he hadn't backed it up. So back up your data, it is so important to do that, especially anything that you have that's documents, your manuscript, your great American novel, or great, great, Canadian novel that you spent five years writing and you never backed it up. Oh, I backed it up a year after I started it. Now it's three years later where I've done another 20,000 pages, you know, like, oh my God, you don't have a backup. So backup is so important as well as everything else. But if you want to protect your data, you need to have a backup for that. I use a program that I like and it's inexpensive called iDrive. And it can be set up so that it runs automatically and backs up your data to the iDrive cloud. They give you a lot of space, a terabyte of data that you can have backed up to it. They do journaling, which is basically saying that they keep multiple copies of the files. So if you do revisions on it, you can figure out the one revision. So if you have a backup of your data, you can always reload the operating system. That's, that's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's simple, but it's compared to a lot of other things. You can always reload the operating system. What happens if the hard drive crashes? Let's say the hard drive breaks. Now, if it's a spinning drive or an SSD or you run over your laptop uh, with your car, As you were, you know, putting it in there, you dropped it, the car rolled, ran over it, you crashed, blum. How do you, you know, what what about my data? That's what people are always complaining about. And they always complain they don't have a backup. And they all say, oh, we don't have time to do that. Or I forgot to do it. I try to do it every Saturday of months that have the word, uh, you know, Tuesday in it. I You know, they have some weird schedule, right? And they're going to copy that data and they forgot or they got busy. Back up, back up, back up, do it. No matter what program you do use, do some type of backup. I'm watching the clock too. No,
0: no, that's okay. Um, when I was doing a promo for this show with you last week and I think last month, I because we're boomers here and I know from my own view here, It's also all those pictures of your adorable grandchildren. Like, you know, you would be devastated to lose all those. So once again, backing up.
1: You can back up your pictures, back those up. If you've got them on your phone and you have a Google account, right, make sure you back up and have it automatically automatically back up the pictures to Google. Amazon, same thing. You're going to have at least a backup copy there. If you only have it on your phone and you don't have it any place else, your phone gets stolen. You drop it, it breaks. You can't get to it. Now you got a problem. Backup, backup, backup. Phones are a, a little bit different. Laptops, computers, and so forth. Uh, iDrive supports Apple, Linux, Windows, and so forth, and can be set up to do it automatically. I, that's what I use. Right. I have. What do I have? I have a two terabyte account, I think, with them, and I currently have about five. I got forty-seven twenty-six gigabytes worth of data there right now.
0: So lots of room. That's
1: a lot. That's a lot. A lot. Lot. And it backs up every hour. It backs up my data. You know. And of course, if the data hasn't changed, it doesn't back it up. Also, they're very inexpensive. It's like um, under $70 a year. It's insurance. You're paying for insurance. You pay for house insurance, car insurance, medical insurance, et cetera, right? This is insurance for your data, which in most cases you can't get back. Yeah, Yeah. It, it really is. So by the time you get done with password manager or a backup drive, if you're paying for antivirus and so forth, it's probably like in the range of $100 a year to have this information available and protected.
0: Right. Okay, um, one last question. Uh, And this is, once again, just based on my own habits, but I'm just wondering if it's, you know, something that might be doable. When we, everybody's buying stuff, almost everybody's buying stuff online these days. So needless to say, that credit card number is requested so many times what I tend to do is as much as possible is go through PayPal so that I'm not putting my credit card out number out there as often as might normally happen.
1: Hmm. Okay. Good way to do it because you're going to give your credit card number to PayPal. Mm-hmm. Now you trust PayPal not to lose that. So, yep, that's one way of doing it. If you're dealing with Amazon then yeah, you can put your credit card number in there and it's probably gonna be safe. It's when you're dealing with other companies that are not huge, or you don't know it's gonna be a one-time purchase. Um, and you wanna use it as giving them the credit card, you don't know what's gonna happen. And if are they really that reputable? Have they had a breach? Are they gonna have another breach or whatever? So that's one way of doing it. Also, I would recommend that you only use a credit card, not a ATM debit card. You know, you've got got your bank account and you have a, you know, checking account and they give you an ATM card, that's a debit card. The protections on debit cards are less than on a credit card. So if you get that credit card compromised, And I've had mine compromised uh, uh, three times, right? Two American Express cards and one Wells Fargo card where they got, all of a sudden they came and asked me, did you charge something in Atlanta, Georgia for a pair of shoes for $109? And I went like, no. Okay, fine. Thank you. We'll just take care of it and sent me a new card. So, Debit cards are a little different, and you've got to be a little concerned about that because some of the protections are not as great, so you could end up taking that loss yourself. So PayPal, that's fine. I like to use a dedicated card, credit card, for my online purchases, and that's why I have that one Wells Fargo, right, because it's a credit card revolving balance type thing. And I go buy stuff with that. Now, I mean, like I bought a one of those generators in case of a power failure, right? And it was like $700, right? I used that credit card, bought it over the internet. I've never dealt with that company before. They seem to be a very reputable company that I dealt with, so forth. So I wasn't worried. I got the product, everything was fine. All right, but I'd use that as opposed to using one of my other cards. So- so, yeah, but Paypal is a that's a good way to go about it,
0: yeah in this day and age I've heard a number of people that have a dedicated credit card with a, a small limit on it because in this day and age, credit cards can apparently <laughs> mine doesn't but apparently can go up to like fifty thousand dollar limits, and mm-hmm. that would be a fair hit for the average person if that got compromised
1: that's correct in most cases the the credit card company would probably reverse that and so forth. But yeah, that's, that's one way of doing it. there are also some products out there and uh, that you can sign up for. I can't remember the name of it right now. I wish I could. Uh, But where, where the, what they do is you can contact them and you can get a one-time use credit card. A lot, a lot of times you can call up your, your financial institution and say, I'm going to be doing some purchasing online. Can you give me a one-time use card? You know, card number. You can do that as well, depending upon what you're buying. If you're buying a lot of stuff at Zappos, you know, shoes and that kind of stuff or or clothes or whatever, little small appliances, yeah, you're probably okay with dealing with the big companies. But yeah, use a credit card as opposed to a debit card.
0: Okay. I think we've covered off most of the subjects, have we, that we talked about covering?
1: I think so. I think so. Install patches links, passwords, passwords, backup. Yeah. Okay. We could probably go, we could go, as you know, we could probably go for another four four or five hours. I know
0: we've done that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. As I've come to expect from you, Bob, great, great info. Now, if someone wants to find you, you are on Facebook, aren't you?
1: Yes, I am. Bob's
0: Lessons on the Internet.
1: That's correct. So if
0: they want to keep up with your nuggets and occasional rants, it's Bob's Lessons on the internet. I'll put that link in the show notes. Anywhere else?
1: No, that's it. That basically catch me on Facebook. That'll do it.
0: Okay. So before we close, I'll remind listeners that Manly Monday is a new feature. So feel free to share the episode. Next month, my guest, I'm almost positive, will be a young man, a holistic nutritionist. So that'll be of interest to many of you. If you have comments on today's show, leave them where you listen to podcasts or go to twoboomerwomen.com forward slash join dash the dash conversation. You can help us grow too by leaving stars and I do appreciate that. Two Boomer Women will be back as usual on Wednesday, so remember to come on back. Bob, thank you so much for sharing all this info today. I really do appreciate it.
1: Oh, no problem. It was my pleasure to be here. I really enjoy it and I haven't talk this long for quite a while <laughs> have a great rest of week you too right Bye-bye. bye bye